0: My name is Birdie and I'm a medium. That means I can communicate with spirits amongst other things. I started seeing spirits before I can even remember. I grew up feeling cursed, but now I am in control of my abilities.
1: My name is Robert and I'm a paranormal investigator. That means I'm researching and deep diving unexplained phenomena. I grew up in a haunted house, but now I am investigating hauntings around the world.
0: Welcome to our spirit diaries. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> that was
1: that was beautiful
0: thank you i'm going to do like um american idol next and i will just be in there and i'll sing only ghost songs which is going to be difficult because i don't know many ghost songs right what's a ghost song scooby dooby doo (laughs) does Uh. casper the friendly ghost have a song casper the friendly ghost wait is that it maybe oh that might be it oh monsters what is it no that's batman i'm going going no
1: <laughs> the monster mash
0: <laughs> what is that <laughs> the monsters monsters the guy oh yeah <laughs> yeah
1: you can do like the adams family <laughs>
0: <laughs> what other spooky songs are there? Oh, yeah, you said the Monster Mash. Oh, could you imagine somebody doing that on one of those shows? Just going in. This is a Monster Mesh. No Monster
1: Mesh. It was a graveyard smash. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So welcome to our podcast. We are a little bit out of it today. It's been a long day, but we are happy to be here with you. And I just want to say you all missed something wonderful. And I could say all of you missed it. All of you. So what happened was I had to put episode three on an unlisted thing for someone to watch and we can't give more details than that, but I accidentally messed up the setting, and episode three was live for five days on our YouTube channel.
1: And you fucking paranormal nerds missed it.
0: Five days. None of you watched it. None of you. None of you was live for five days on our YouTube channel and no one watched it.
1: Oh, man. You missed out.
0: <laughs> it's on private now. Uh, So episode three comes out on sep- October, sorry, October 7th. And yeah, uh, keep an eye on our YouTube channel because I don't know what I'm doing sometimes.
1: We mess up. And...
0: <laughs> You know, that episode was out there for five whole days, and y'all missed it. So (laughs) we just want to say a huge thank you, though, for you guys, for all your support. Honestly, it's been amazing. We love our patrons. You all keep us motivated in recording this podcast, and it's definitely helping with keeping us motivated for editing the rest of this series. And we do want to say, if you could please, 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 from the bottoms of our hearts, we are begging you on our knees, begging with big puppy dog eyes, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you could leave a review for the podcast, honestly, this is so important for creators. So something that you may not know is YouTube actually will run ads on our videos uh, no matter what. So we don't have a choice. in if there's ads on our videos, but the really crappy part of YouTube is that if you have under a thousand subscribers, uh, they keep all the revenue generated from those ads. Whereas once you pass a thousand, you get a 10th of a penny <laughs> <laughs> when that happens, but at least it's not all going to YouTube at that point. So we really, really are trying to reach to a thousand that way we can help fund this podcast, help fund those investigations And it would really mean a lot. It's free to subscribe. All you have to do is press the button. We are almost halfway there at this point. So if you can just grab one friend and subscribe them to our channel, we should be able to hit a thousand. And that would severely help us a lot. Uh, And today we're really excited because we're going to really deep dive in what happened at Historic Scott County Jail. So we talked a little bit about it in the pre-show, but we didn't share much of what really happened between on camera and off camera? And I know you guys have probably seen the episode. If you haven't, go watch it now. And if you're a patron, you've seen all of our footage, all of it. So anything we recorded there is up on patreon.com slash spirit diaries. So what we haven't talked about is how we felt.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a whirlwind for sure. I feel like with it being that first one, it was like, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was exciting. So just as a reminder, this was Robert and I's first time really investigating together. I mm-hmm. know we went to Fort Loudoun, but we split up at Fort Loudoun and I pretty much did that alone. Yep. Um, And at the cotton mill again, Robert was just kind of my human buddy there. And I was the
1: camera operator <laughs> slash I'm going to take pictures and try to capture ghosts.
0: Yeah, we we kind of never have worked together. So it was really exciting and nerve wracking to do that for the very first time on camera. So I had a ton of fun and I had no idea what to expect. Uh, we fully went into it knowing absolutely nothing. but well, you. <laughs> well, I guess so. Me. <laughs> so we're going to share some history about the jail, which we didn't get to f- share fully in either of the videos. Um, and yeah, and then we're going to talk about our findings and what we think about all of it and our professional opinions on the haunting.
1: Mine would be very professional.
0: Oh, I, I promise. W- we all know. We all know. Everybody knows. (laughs) All right. So let's start off with Sheriff Richard Ellis. So there is two main entities that the jail believes to be haunting the location. And by the jail, I mean the owners of the jail. So they believe Sheriff Richard Ellis is there as well as Jerome Boyett. So Sheriff Richard Ellis was murdered outside of the front door while he was bringing in a moonshiner named... George Foster in 1925. Uh, he was shot from behind and he was shot in his head. Unfortunately, this is still an unsolved mystery and they don't know who the murderer is. However, uh, they think that the murder was because of his stance on abolishing moonshine. And yeah, they think he's still there. Moving on to Jerome Boyett, His story is a little more complicated than the sheriff's, so both were murdered. But Jerome Boyett has a lot going on behind his story. So on Friday, April 21st, 1933, Five men from no business, which is a city. <laughs> we live in no business.
1: Where are you from? No business. Damn, right? I'm just
0: asking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so five men from no business hopped onto a logging train. And they were heading towards the Rock Creek camp. So this camp was owned by Stearns Coal and Lumber Company of Stearns, Kentucky. Rock Creek Camp was settled along the Stearns Lodging Railroad and was home to Company Store 14, which serves the needs of the people of the camp along with many local residents. So it was a popular place to be. So this is like if your job has like an on-site store. That's what this was. Uh, But it was open to the public as well. And since there was absolutely nothing out there, Everybody sort of hung around at the store. It was a common meeting place. So that was just the hub of that area.
1: So the cool kids hung out.
0: Yeah. So after arriving to the camp, Jerome ran into his uncle, Albert Boyett. And Jerome, along with his brother and this person named Walter Crabtree, all began to argue and an altercation occurred. So, J.W. Telechow, who was the superintendent of the camp, actually called the police because of the altercation that happened. And the superintendent said he wanted the men arrested. So, these kids were young, uh, they got scared, and they decided to run and hide in one of the boxcars of the train. Wait, 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 wait. I'm channeling a message from beyond. It's from today's sponsors who make creating this podcast possible. Hey, it's Bertie. Did you know that we have an Etsy shop filled with handmade items and incredible vintage pieces, perfect for witchy and spooky decor? Go over to SpiritDiaries.etsy.com. That's S P I R I T D I A R I E S. dot E T S Y. dot C-O-M, and indulge in self-care with my handmade bath salts, bath bombs, body oils, room sprays, and 100% beeswax candles. Treat yourself and help us go on more spooky adventures and keep this podcast going. It's Bertie. Did you all know that Robert and I went on a spooky adventure? We visited six notoriously haunted locations over the course of six days, and we recorded it all. We've even won a film award for it. Yeah, that's right. We freaking won. And this is all available to watch for free over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Diaries. Yep, Go watch it right now, subscribe, leave thumbs up, and tell all your friends about our free season streaming on YouTube right now at youtube.com slash diaries. I can't believe we did it. Tilla directed the train engineer to stop the train and he wanted to prevent them from leaving because he had sort of seen where they were going and was like, uh-uh, they're not getting away with this. And he was so upset and wanted them arrested because this was a workplace. Mm -hmm. And he was a supervisor, so he couldn't have trouble happening at the workplace. So he was just trying to make the best call he could to settle any altercations from happening there. The closest to sheriffs they could find was Sheriff George Winningham, who was in Birdstown, Tennessee. And the conditions on the roads were so bad that night that Sheriff Winningham, who was 61 at the time, and two deputies, one of which was Sheriff Winningham's 39-year-old son, Deputy John Floyd Winningham, and the other one was 41-year-old Deputy Sheriff Bramlett Garrett, and they all three arrived to the scene at dusk. Sheriff George Winningham and his son, Deputy John Floyd Winningham, arrived to the scene To the boxcar where Jerome, his brother, his cousin, and a few other men were hiding inside of. The reports on how exactly this altercation happened are all disputed. So essentially, when the officers arrived, somebody fired a gun. Some say Jerome started shooting at the cops. Others say the cops aimlessly shot into the car. Uh, others say the cops shot into the air and Jerome got scared and shot them. Um, it is all conflicted. And basically, depending on where you live and which family you liked, the Boyets or the Winninghams sort of started to depend on which way the story went of who technically shot first. But the one thing that isn't disputed is that both officers died Um, So the third one did not. But Sheriff Winningham, as well as Deputy Winningham, did die either on scene or in the hospital in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, The death certificates and the news articles are a little bit different. Um, But regardless, uh, he did shoot them. And he was scared and fled.
1: So he shot the the sheriff and the deputy.
0: Yeah. So two of the three men. Are you making a joke? Yeah, it
1: was a Bob Marley joke.
0: I'm sorry. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. It's okay. Um, So a $600 reward was offered to anybody who could bring in Jerome. They internally put Miss Winningham as the sheriff, which I thought was really strange. Um, So they put Sheriff Winningham's wife in charge of being sheriff. And they were trying to get further information about Jerome, his parents, his younger siblings. They wanted just all the information. So they went to his house to No Business Creek, which is where their farm was located. And they took the family and brought them all to jail to question them. Jerome's family was being questioned for several, several days and random boyet, at uh, Jerome's father was eventually allowed to return home to their farm. He started bringing up a lot of concerns that he was worried about the farm, that somebody needs to be there to take care of it. They had been kept and were being questioned endlessly and they had taken the entire family. So nobody was in the house. So they're like, fine, you can go home. So he goes home but then they found him dead hung in a tree. So the Scott County coroner officially declared that he died of an unknown murderer, which it's obviously really suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh so, like he went
1: home and killed himself. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> right, right. So it that that is also unsolved and unexplained. <sighs> But um, unfortunately, on April 25th, 1933, the Morristown Gazette said that there was reports of a threat of mob violence, and they called for catching both Jerome and Ted Boyett, his cousin. Um, They sent out two sets of bloodhounds and were said to have been used in the hunt for Jerome with more than 100 men joining officers in the search. So this was a huge, huge, huge deal.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: On May 22nd, 1933, Jerome turned himself in to Scott County Jail, where we investigated. It's said that he feared further violence towards his family. He decided to turn himself in to try to stop the violence and he remained incarcerated until June 8th, 1933, when a group of 25 masked men dragged him, as well as Harvey Winchester, who was also said to have killed an officer from the Scott County Jail. They were taken, put into cars, and driven to a wooded area off of Highway 27 near Helenwood, Tennessee, which ironically got its name as Hell in the Woods. Helenwood. Hmm. So their bodies were tortured and found bullet-ridden on May 23rd, 1933. What I thought was interesting about this story so far is that the Morristown Gazette warned of mob violence on April 25th, and it wasn't until June 8th when the mob showed up. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't... It, it's worrisome because I feel like It perhaps was a threat to get him to turn himself in.
1: Pre planned.
0: Right. Uh, But they ended up getting him, anyways. So, all that remains of the Boyd Farm is a two acre meadow, and it's currently maintained by the National Park Service with a chimney and a fireplace and a small family burial plot. And you can actually still go to that location. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very eerie. Uh, because there's nothing there, but it's moved where the house used to sit. Right. Um, and there's not signage or anything around there. So I think if you're walking through, you wouldn't really know the intensity of the whole story that happened between the officers and him and the family and everything of that sort. So it's quite a bit. A lot. It's heavy. Yeah. So, Cruz Sexton Devil is also something else that really popped out while we were there. And the history of this is that in 1920, Scott County had heard that the devil had come to town. So, the devil didn't go to Georgia. He came to Scott County, Tennessee. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The devil was created by Cruz Sexton, who was a soldier serving in China before returning home to Scott County. While Cruz Sexton was in China, he was so inspired by the large statue he had seen on his travels, he decided to build one when he got home, which was the devil of Scott County. He went to work in an old coal mine and built the devil out of clay. One day, Sexton's mom followed him into the mine to see what he had been doing, and she saw the devil. She was so terrified, and rumors began that the devil had come to Scott County. Some believe the statue to be a petrified body or an ancient relic. And while Robert and I were at the jail, the newspapers, you were reading off the wall when I was like, what is that? Mm -hmm. You actually read that they thought it was from mountain men, perhaps Native American, perhaps some old... Tribal relic. It was like the most outlandish thing. So we're in the in the moment, we're both like, "Wait, what? What? What says what?" At the
1: same time, it's like if this dude would have just built it like in his front yard, like I'm doing an art project, I'm mean? like, "Ah, weirdo!" And then he just left it at that. But because he decided to build it in a freaking cave, isn't, like,
0: isn't that interesting?
1: Like, what? Where should I build this? Should I uh, build it where it's easily get accessible? <laughs> No, I'm going to use the fucking cave. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. So since this was a railroad community, word spread everywhere and everybody wanted to come see the devil. He decided to set up the devil at the railroad station in Helenwood, and he charged people to view the statue. Eventually, Cruz sold the devil to Mr. Chumley Pemberton, and then it was eventually sold to the World's Fair before becoming lost.
1: He went back to Georgia.
0: Yes. One of the other things that we had seen in the jail was an imp. And if you're not sure of the lore of imps, go ahead and check out our imp episode where we deep dive into that. So we're going to skip some imp background since we've already deep dived dive that topic. We will see you all next time. And thank you for listening to The Spirit Diaries.